Welcome, everybody, to If I May, a podcast with me, Kyle, just an average guy, along with three of my average friends, Brent, Nick, and Dylan. Uh, we're going to talk about stuff while interrupting as politely as possible. This is episode 41. Let's do this. So, right before, <laughs> right, right, so right before this started, uh, Dylan and Nick had a conversation about this, a new movie called Mortal Engines, and I know nothing about it. Please explain. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I'll start. So, um, the general gist I got from the commercial was that basically cities were a lot, not like alive, but basically cities were transformed or created into where they were. On, well, tra- cities. Words are hard. I on, understand. I know. I know. I don't know. <laughs> they put cities on wheels, and then basically they made it available for the cities to eat one another. So, um, wait, what? Yeah, so basically, like, the cities would be able to open up the front and kind of swallow it. Kind of like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but basically the fronts of the cities would open up and they'd eat smaller cities, and then they would take mm-hmm. the salivate, or They would take the, what's that? Is there saliva involved in this one city eating another city? There's lots of oil, I guess. There's lots of, like, they... <laughs> Like when they uh, when they eat the other cities, they take all the natural resources and stuff from that city. So they take the population and they kind of integrate them into this new bigger city, and they take all the parts to feed their bigger city. And the cities basically roll around and they take parts and stuff. I think it's so like this a is like Waterworld except on land with cities. Yeah, kind of. Um, but um, yeah, so so and it's based out of the UK. So and I think what the general idea is that it's kind of describing the current current uh, overpopulation crisis, where like cities are getting so big that they're just kind of swallowing up the smaller cities. And yeah, I think that I think that's kind of what it's representing. And so I've been reading the book, and the book's been kind of interesting. And it's about like this this kid that's growing up in the big city, and he does it, and he's he kind of grew up, um, and this is in London, I believe. And he's grown up in a time where they are getting to the point where they haven't been able to eat any smaller cities. And um, so kids are growing up where they've never even, they call it the chase. And the kids grow up when they have never experienced a city chase before. Um, so like it's been years. And so the city's kind of starting to die. And the, and like UK itself is drying up and like the city, like cities are just kind of going, starting to go more extinct. So now they, the basically the city has to decide whether or not to start to basically wither and die or to go out and try to hunt and try to survive. Now the movie, is this like Agario where like you're just a small blob initially and you try to like get smaller blobs than you and you get bigger, but exactly, both exactly. So what happens if you're now, in a city that gets if hunted? I may, if if I you're may, what? it's not an eating process. It's I mean eating is a it's. It's an analogy or a metaphor, if you will, uh, and there's a couple different levels. This is me speculating because I've seen the same commercials uh, or previews uh, <laughs> for the for the movies, and yeah, it's it's not like one city eats another. It's it's purely a a an analogy for these large cities could not survive where they were physically on the planet, so mechanically they became advanced enough to essentially make their cities mobile uh, on wheels is a, a simplification of you know, whatever they need to if I may, march around. From an engineering standpoint, that sounds like a pain in the ass. Like, it just seems like it would make much more sense just to move and make a new city. Uh, if I may, um, the they literally made it so that the cities like literally eat one another. The fronts 
open up and they drive over so the small pack, cities like a and they close situation. down. Exactly. That, if I may, that's only that's only to capture them. That's to make sure they don't get away. Like once once you have quote unquote consumed the city, it is within your control. It can't run away. Right. Yes, it looks like it's being eaten, but it's not like being crushed. It's, right, it's, right, okay, right. You have, yeah. you take it's being and then, engulfed. Okay. Right, yeah, it gets engulfed in the city. And then um, I think, I don't know what whatever. they call it, but they basically have a whole bunch of engineers and dudes basically go in and disassemble the entire city. And then they take all the bits and pieces and the population and the materials and they reintegrate it into the bigger city to grow. The commercial, I think there's a, a main character of sorts running away and they're like, oh my God, it's London. And London is this, of course, massive city, and they're running away from it, and they're, they're essentially engulfed by the city. Yeah, watch out for uh, London. I hear their bridges fall down. Part of the uh, <laughs> as part of the uh, as part of the chase. But what I would also consider, uh, if it's not, it would be kind of silly as a almost a, a political satire, looking at the environment around the world where uh, main cities, huge cities, are are engulfing. Oh, the, oh, the political suburbs and stuff. And this is a, a prime example of, okay, after they've consumed everything, uh, they have to look elsewhere. And eventually, so if I may consume, does London like go towards the EU? Be like, you guys can consume me. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, you guys can consume me. Just kidding. Just kidding. Like, is that how it works? Uh, Brexit. No, but um, <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, Current political um, situation jokes. Yeah, if I may, from an environmental standpoint, <laughs> wouldn't it make sense just to use clean, renewable energy sources instead of trying to use these anquidated fossil right, I'm fuels? I'm done talking about this movie. <laughs> Dylan, from, from a militaristic standpoint, uh, what's the view here? Do they have no defense um, besides running away? That's pretty much, um, yeah. So basically the smaller cities, they focus on speed. And the bigger cities, obviously, they, they have more stamina, so they're able to last longer. Um, so basically, in the story in the book, London was able to catch this smaller city because the small the small city obviously had the speed, but then they ran out of fuel, they ran out of resources, and then London just ate them up. Renewables, man. Yep. Wow. So, well, but the, so the book the book <laughs> uh, <laughs> the book was the storyline was kind of awful because um, I read it <laughs> I, I read it because. Because the merch looks so amazing, I was like, I really want to see this movie because graphically it looks amazing. Um, so I read the book and I'm just like, wow, this storyline is terrible. Um, but I'm still excited to see the movie because, like I said, the graphics are amazing and they, they made it look like it's like very well designed and it just looks very appealing to the eye. So I'm like, it's very visually appealing, so I'm like really excited to see it. Kind of like, Kind of like when Avatar first came out and we were just like... Well, I've never 3D. seen anything like that before. Yeah. Well, I don't. Th- I don't know if this one's gonna be three D or not. I'm not quite sure, but it just looks so appealing that I'm very interested in watching it. Do you guys like the three D movies? I, I guess for me personally, I I think certain movies would be good with. Okay, right, number one, I know that there's movies that can literally be shot in three D versus ones that are like post edited to become three D just to make the extra buck. So, like, if I'm going to go see 3D movie, it better be one of the ones that was, like, legitimately shot in 3D. Avatar was the first example where legitimately they shot everything with two cameras right next to each other to make the 3D a realistic effect and not have to do it in post-production besides the blue people and the flying birds and all the CGI stuff anyway. Um, but I guess is there... 
What are your guys' view on 3D movies in general? The last 3D movie I remember seeing was in 2009 Avatar. So that kind of explains what I feel about them. I think I saw it. one of the Avengers in 3D. It, I think I saw Age of in 3D. Me. I mean, it's gimmicky and anything that's... I, there might have been another one I saw, but I don't remember what it was. Um, Dylan, Nick? All I remember is Avatar. Um, I I really enjoy 3D movies just because it's kind of like mind-blowing still. Um, that it's still like... That it, they can even do it, especially with the technology. Like, I really was bummed out by the red and blue glasses. That was really disappointing. But as soon as they came out with the... Um, Kyle, what would you call the the filtering? So glasses it's it's polarized lenses. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they yeah, have polarized so lenses, and then they can flicker the screen between the two different bands or you know directions of light or whatever, basically, and it, it only shows you half of it at a time, getting yeah. the three D effect. Yeah, I that's think, so much better than blue and red. I think three D would be really cool in virtual reality. I think that's where the next step for three D movies is. Isn't that the same? Well, no, like VR basically puts you in 3D. Oh, you're saying do I the know. 3D movie in VR, in so you basically you're like in the scene. Okay, that, uh, I was that's the next may, step for me. I was literally just thinking about that and how like that would be. You're right. That would be the next step movie, and I think the like the one movie they all right. So they already came up with a couple movies in first person view, and my favorite is uh, Hardcore Henry. Have you ever seen it? I heard about that, and Nick, we actually like both saw the cart like commercial for that thing at the same time. We're both like, "That looks like it has a lot of potential." I need to watch that movie. Yeah, so Hardcore Henry is really it's really interesting. It's in the whole movie's in first person, and it's like action the whole movie. So if you're really into action, it's like one of the sickest movies. Um, But then if you made that virtual reality where you like you could actually move your head around and be part of the story, like that would be a next level movie. But that'd be hard to produce um, for like theaters because then everyone have to have goggles too. So that would, that. Would well, be I think that's not a non-logical step. Like that seems like that might be one that could legitimately happen. Where it's there's doable. literally theaters of just VR goggles, like VR movies. Yeah, that it's just like a super, super high-end set yeah. that you could never afford at home, but you can go to the theater and you know experience it. Problem with that is. Movies today are already so washed out to be visually stunning and loud and in your face and lots of bright colors and action scenes. And uh, if I look at the uh, example, John Wick, I, I love John Wick, but it's it's just the Matrix redone a few years later with uh, Neo and Morpheus just doing goofy stuff. That's what the commercial for John three or John Wick three looks like. Uh, it's it's they even have the same line where. Uh, John Wick asks, uh, you know, Morpheus, he's like, what do you need? He's like, guns, lots of guns. That's a verbatim line from the Matrix. Uh, but going back to the, the main point here, if you were to have a, a 3D fully immersive, the, the problem would be this. Storytelling would be almost impossible. Storytelling. Because, I mean, the level of detail that you have, I mean, it, I don't think in, it couldn't be true 3D where you can look all around. It would have to be like a 180 degree view maximum kind of thing. Otherwise, yeah, the storytelling would be so much more difficult. But like, think of the Avengers scene. Think, no, think about this real quick. Uh, any any movie where it's a tense moment where a door is about to open, like outside of making the doorknob make a horrible creaking noise to like absolutely need to draw your attention that way, 
force people to look at what you want. And there's all kinds of effects in 2D movies where they zoom in on it or they do something like that. How do you do that in 3D? Because hypothetically, especially in scary movies, you're going to have people who are like, oh, nope, wherever they want me to look, I'm looking the other way. I'm going to see this shit coming. <laughs> nope. Like it's, it's just like, no, that's that's not how it works. And I mean, so few stories are, are, are great, like uh, Game of Thrones or George R. R. Martin's writing, where it, it translates nicely. That additional element of going 3D, I think storytelling is going to get worse than it already is. I don't know. Well, I guess I th- if I may, I think that the storytelling... What the way of storytelling would just have to change. Like you'd have to mm-hmm. edit the way you make movies and the way you tell stories in movie. Because yeah, like you said, you can't just direct their attention specifically to one spot. At least not with a camera. You'd have to do it in some other way. Like yeah, they like hear jiggling and then everybody in the room's like, wait, what? And then you hear jiggling again, and then uh, you yeah, like, I mean, they look uh, over, and you can hear it out mm-hmm. of your right ear because you have like stereo surround sound headphones on, so you know exactly where that sound's coming from. So I, uh, if I may, so uh, obviously I think it would be really, really difficult to do scenes that you're actually like filming, but I think it's totally doable for movies that are animated. Like you imagine like being immersed in an a- animated movie, like you imagine like being in Shrek and like being like, and just like going through the story with him and like being over all the fire and like in the lava, like that would be so cool. <laughs> to like be in an animated movie. I think that would be totally doable. And you just move the camera as you're programming for you want. And you could do, you could basically program in 3d, like in 3d. So it would no basically, where you look. it would basically be like, uh, well, ready player one where he's like literally replacing one of the characters in the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to miss or, part of the story. Looking at all the lava and wandering around, you're going to miss when Donkey has a, a snide line or you're going to miss when uh, the bridge cracks because you're like, oh, my God, look at the lava. So cool. And you're going to miss aspects of the story. I mean, yes, visually, it would be so cool. And you're right. And I'm totally on board. But the storytelling takes a hit. What about this? How about, how about this? What if we have it where instead of movies being, you know, you have a set three hours or the movie, like, everyone watches at the same time. What if it's more of a go-at-your-own-pace? So people who want to go through can go through it quick. Kind of like a video game, almost, but instead it's just, like, the cutscenes. Ah, I don't know. It could be interesting. I mean, it's just, how do you innovate and change? Nick, what I'm picturing is, like, that'd be kind of cool. Yes, you could, like, kind of look away from the story and look in other places, but I think that'd be really cool places for like the animators to hide Easter eggs. Like you could either watch a story if you're looking behind you, like up underneath, like some, if I may, like a ledge or something, you could see like their initials or something. I say, if I may, I think it's the same thing as like, they're kind of doing current movies where like all your attention is directed straight at the like action or whatever's currently going on. But a lot of movies already throw like Easter eggs and stuff like, you know, on the edge of the screen or, Oh, did you see that picture in the background? Like, like the whole Disney thing with Tarzan's parents mm-hmm. potentially being Elsa's parents. Like they have the ship and Tarzan had the shit. Like there's the connecting kind of background stuff. You do the same thing just in 3d. Anyhow. So Dylan, uh, right. So Dylan recently joined the podcast, uh, and he kind of brought up a good question earlier about the whole Zaru bust, if I may think. So I guess, Dylan, do you want to pose the question? And then Brent sure. will have so, you take the first stab at answering. Yeah, so as you guys know, uh, I'm very, uh, 
new to the podcast and I was kind of wor- wondering about like the history of where the the names Arbus comes from um because it seems to me that uh the title we've always we've been saying mostly if I may which makes sense because that's the name of like every episode that we start um is if I may um so I was kind of wondering like where does Arbus come from and I could I could I and the viewers get kind of like a quick history on where that comes from so zarbus was before we even started doing the podcast if i may which happened kind of over a half week span where we came up with the concept i think nick was saying if i may and we pretentiously went at each other for a week uh through text and then in person i think i visited that weekend really fun weekend by the way uh, in <laughs> minneapolis but we ended up um before even doing the podcast, Nikhil and I were like, let's figure out something to do together. And if you go on our YouTube channel, that's sort of what we thought of. And we're like, let's do something together. We, we made Zerbust, our YouTube slash whatever else we wanted. Kind of like a company, not, not as a company, but like a group or like a group of like, we are going to be Zerbust and we'll make, in this case, we started off making videos under the Zerbust name. Uh, and then as we, we moved on, we thought, well, let's do the podcast. I think that'd be really interesting. We, let's make a podcast. So we'll make it under Zarbus because we would post it up to our, our YouTube channel. Uh, but then the podcast itself is If I May. So I, I think of this like a – I follow another – I actually listen to a lot of podcasts. It's something I, I commute a lot, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And uh, one podcast company that's out there is Gimlet. Gimlet Media, they have a really great startup a really great podcast called startup uh, which kind of details their whole start of the company but basically the podcast name was startup but gimlet is the people that are making it so that's like barstool sports having all their different podcasts under the barstool sports so that's kind of the general idea is that zarabus will be like our quote-unquote media company or at least a group of things we decide to throw together when we feel like it and if i may is the podcast within that so if viewers, you think that if you're a new viewer, especially not family or direct friends of any of us, and, and you're, you're listening to and, this one and this particular episode <laughs> <laughs> and you're confused and you think our branding is not ideal, uh, please let us know and we will update for you just for you. So if I may, uh, could you kind of go in uh, like who made up the names Arbus and how you came to that name? Like in general, you just said yeah, like you came up with it. Yeah. Like, so the the bust part came from the first two letters of two of our last names. Uh, we were trying to mix all three of our last names, like the first two letters together and make like a weird word out of it. And just like, I don't know, n- nothing that we were coming up with made too much sense. So like the BU is the last, is the first two letters of one of our last names. And the ST is first two letters of the other. Uh, one of our other purples members last name uh, for the first two letters. <laughs> you get it. So that's the bust. Got it. And then the Zaru part is actually, we're trying to think of just like, what can we do for a logo? Like, what do we all think is funny or like or whatever? And Brent found the logo of like the, the monkeys. That's kind of like the Nook, uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil monkeys. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I like monkeys and we're all like, we're all on board on the monkeys. (laughs) And so I Googled and Wikipedia the, the three no monkeys. Yeah. yeah, whatever they're called, you get it. And uh, their true Latin names or Japanese names, wherever they... Yeah, I think it's Japanese names. 
you get it. Uh, if, if you go on the Wikipedia, they all have Zaru in it. Interesting. So, I, so it's like Kiba Zaru, Shiba Zaru, and Bubba Ba Zaru is like the name of the three monkeys in their traditional uh, language. So that's where the Zaru came from. And then so we just threw it all together and made Zaru bust, and we get a monkey as a logo. Super presented by Noreen Designs. Link always in the description. She's awesome. Yeah, and okay. the monkeys were a pretty easy thing to make a easy, quick logo behind, which definitely helped out. And it symbolized the three. I, I should actually post the original logo because there's I have each of our favorite colors as each of the monkeys was one of the different colors of our favorite colors. And um, it's was, was so cute. I'm really proud of it. But My favorite color is blue is in the background, but it just didn't look quite right. So yeah, we, we've out. since moved on into <laughs> a little bit more of a formalized shirt, um, which I actually really like our new logo a lot. We kept kind of the monkey theme, but modernized it and really cool. Uh, who designed it? Yeah. So that's one of our friends uh, who she has a website. We always link it. It's Noreen designs. Uh, and yeah, so she's a graphics designer and uh, she hooked us up with helping out in exchange for a couple 3d prints. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think our producer just mentioned, we do have like our past videos on YouTube. If you check those out, it's got our old logo on that as well. And our old intro, which we, Brent, you're developing a new no. intro. We just, what do you got, Nick? Now, if I may, uh, for the record, I believe our most successful video. Uh, <laughs> made, oh, yes. Let's go into this. A, a video put together uh, by myself and some friends. And it is actually the video I use to help sell my motorcycle. It's me riding uh, my motorcycle around uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. And uh, I think we used uh, Kyle's drone to assist with some of the footage as yep. well. I have an FPV drone. So, and Nick, saw, Nick was always, Nick was like, ah, oh, like when all the motorcycle videos that have drone footage, like the motorcycles always sell. And I was like, yeah. sure. Like that sounds fun. I'll, I'll help film it. And if you watch, if you watch that video, you can see the drone. It was so windy that day. Like all the footage is like, I corrected a lot of it, but it's still like a lot of it's a little diagonal because of the wind. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a cool process of kind of just, taking some shots, riding around, and I had uh, Kyle help out with his drone, and then I had a couple buddies uh, ride in a vehicle next to me. In portrait mode? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know how hard that was to edit, Nick? Do you know how hard it is to edit <laughs> portrait mode into uh, landscape mode without screwing things up and making it look like crap? So Kyle's a superhero is, is what I <laughs> my, my favorite. I'll take it. I'll take it. So my favorite part of that video is we have, you know, Nick's all suited up, wearing a helmet. Good, good on you, bud. Um, I actually do really appreciate that, but you're, you're looking like you're, you're supposed to be flying on this really sleek motorcycle. And if you look really close, you can tell based off of like the things in the background, he's only going like 20 miles an hour, <laughs> like, 15 miles an obviously hour. Obviously the like, speed limit. like zooming down these roads and it's Nick. <laughs> 45 <laughs> at one point. <laughs> and the, the, we got the footage sped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. No, no, it's an awesome video. It's our, definitely our best video. So the so footage funny. sped up wasn't even intentional. So like, there's a frame rate thing where like it was matching like basically like the cell phone footage was captured in 30 frames a second with the GoPro footage was at 60 frames a second. And I started with some of the GoPro footage. So when the cell phone footage came in, it basically just doubled the speed of the video. I didn't even do that intentionally, but then like after it editing good. it, I was like, oh, like three four minute video, something like that. Perfect timing, like perfect 
length of a video for, you know, somebody who might be interested in a motorcycle. And then I would like watch it. And I'm like, oh, all the footage is sped up. Well, it flows good and it's uh, about the right time. Like, so we'll call it good. That's sick. I got to um, throw in, we have a 100% success rate selling things with our videos. So if you're looking <laughs> to sell something, <laughs> we could be your guys. Put this on your <laughs> Yeah, let us know. Did you guys see it all that uh, the GoPro challenge where they're saying like, and this was not, this is not new. This is relatively old. And it was like a GoPro challenge. Uh, basically, you'd send in your videos. And if uh, GoPro liked your videos and they wanted to use your videos, they'd pay you basically money for your videos and then they'd use it in their advertising. So people were spending like, like I remember that I was like watching this uh, YouTube video uh, and he spent like $3,000 of his personal money to like go down in like the Caribbean and take all these like amazing videos of wakeboarders and stuff. And then, so, so he talked about how like he wasn't funded at all. Like all of this came out of his own pocket um, just, just to try, just to do this challenge and GoPro ended up like buying like three of his videos, which paid off, and he made he made like ten fifteen thousand um, dollars. But I can imagine how most people, uh, or a lot of people, would like send videos that obviously they wouldn't commit such a financial burden to like go through that. But I think it's like super cool that GoPro gives people the opportunity to kind of help them with their advertising. Yeah. So if I may, and- there. Were- there was a point where GoPro was kind of like trying to become a media company and it did not go well for them. Like if you look at their stock history, they peaked, I uh, don't know exactly when, like, I don't know, they peaked about three or four years into business and then they started trying to buy up and focus on other stuff and they just ended up getting dropped like crazy from the stock market. So and then, Interesting. Yeah, so at one point they like were starting to get back on top of it and then they went like two things in a row. They tried to like basically start a media company, which is kind of what you're saying, is basically just throw GoPro media at all everybody and they'll like it and they'll come and they'll consume our product and they'll consume our media and they'll want to buy our media. Um, and then the other bad decision um, was the uh, drone. They tried to make their own like GoPro drone which was really stupid to them. Like everybody that was serious about drones was already just making their own custom ones and putting GoPros on them. So taking what DJI Phantom was doing with the more consumer, not consumer, but like professional video shooting drones and trying to combine it with like the person in their backyard who's a super serious drone flyer, it just didn't work out because both those markets were already super saturated and had a really good solution for them. I saw that GoPro put out, I think it was like two different models of drones. No, they only, they only, they got one and they found out that it vibrated and the vibration over time opened the battery compartment, which loosened the battery and they just drop out of the sky. The second model (laughs) turned that plastic part into a metal part and it was fixed. That's, um, what is the amount that they made for GoPro for filming? So if you're in a vibration thing, basically it was a weight that hung down below your camera. So whenever you're filming, it like dampened the vibration. So everything looks, so if you're like moving around quite a bit, it would offset all of your vibrations. So even though you're vibrating a lot, the camera would be super smooth. Yeah. So and now why, why couldn't different... they put that on the drone? They did is the short answer. So there's two oh. types of stabilization. One that's mechanical, which is exactly what you're talking about with the whole weight and the 
it, it has motors in it that can and an accelerometer, so it detects any motion you're doing, and then basically has the motors actuate to keep this camera steady and basically cancel out whatever you're doing for movement. Uh, the second kind is digital, and that's what GoPro uses uh, in by standard on all their modern GoPros. Anyway, apparently the Hero Seven, their newest model, is like above and beyond. Like it's just super good at this digital stabilization because it's gotten more powerful and a better camera, but basically it can digitally stabilize the picture. So you lose some of your resolution because it basically shifts the picture around and just crops the outside edges that are like black or nothing by the shifting and just gives you whatever's in the middle with GoPro with the wide angle lens that actually works out really well because you don't really care about the very fringes of the view as much because they don't take up as much uh, real estate in your what you're viewing gotcha okay that makes sense so All right. <sighs> no, okay so i saw these videos online and i don't know how this became a thing but uh it's apparently a thing now to throw slices of craft cheese at your baby slash dog's face or pet in general i, I and- don't is the is it like the meat is a video going for just like this big, like reaction in your animal? Yes, exactly. And it's mostly for babies. You're supposed to take a slice of American craft cheese <laughs> and just flop it onto their face. Like I mean, you know, imagine a pancake. You know, you know what an American cheese. You every, know, every every person. I think they they show it for kids. They show it for adults. They show it for everybody. Every it started with babies. It's it's now expanding to anywhere you can get a reaction. But yeah, they're just throwing slices of American craft cheese on uh, living things' faces and getting their reaction. And I don't, I don't. There's the whole like person, like child abuse, slight of kind of thing with like animal cruelty. But like an animal's not going to mind; they're just going to eat that cheese right afterwards. <laughs> like I don't see it's bad for animals. Babies, I can see how some people wouldn't like it, but like some of the reactions are so funny. Uh, I've seen, I've seen, so far I've seen one video online of cheese and I was just like, why, where did this come from? Why would someone do this? But it was a person, a person throwing a, p- a slice of craft cheese on their like cat and the cat, to be honest, the cat's reaction was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the cat say- like, had, Sorry. like did not know what to do with that piece of cheese and <laughs> just get freaked out. <laughs> Have you seen those videos of the cats where they like place the cucumber behind it and the cats just like turn around, and see the cucumber, freak out and jump like thirty feet? No. Oh, look up cucumber cat. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> Brent or Brent or Nick, please back me here. Yes, I've seen them. They are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. They make no sense whatsoever, but whatever the instinct of the cat is, when they see a cucumber on the floor like that, they they geek out. I haven't seen it. What? Um, Nick's got some good videos. Nick, Nick will always forward. It's from the same like area or group. He'll always forward the same compilation of all stuff. Right. Let's let's go quickly and say they're not all good videos. There's good <laughs> moments in all video in all the videos. There's like two or three really good moments, but it's it's low hanging in some case. But explain what they are, Nick. He's saying my comedy's low brow. In this case, yes. In, in this case, I would say these videos are pretty low, bro. I was like, very the fact that you said low, bro. Like, you don't understand it? Oh, I understand it. 
There's some really good ones. I'll give you that. But when you watch the whole oh, the video, video you lose brain salt. Oh, please let me. Re- All right, if I may. <laughs> oh God. I looked up the definition of low brow, and it is. <laughs> uh, it is simply not highly intellectual or cultured. <laughs> not or not. the opposite of highbrow. <laughs> Is uh, another definition of that. Oh, very good. <laughs> You're saying my videos are lowbrow. Yes. <laughs> first time you guys heard lowbrow? Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the first no, time I ever heard, heard that. that. <laughs> Del, read off the definition one more time, please. Uh, this is the definition of highbrow, scholarly, or rare, rarefied in taste. I don't really like that. <laughs> I want to be rarefied in taste. Yeah. The lowbrow well, is not like highly... It's like an under, undercooked steak right there. It's like an undercooked... If I may, it has been stated before that I, I sound like the most educated individual on this podcast. <laughs> I will out that fact. and proven that today, so thank uh, you for... Brent has a master's. <laughs> I have seen... I knew the word lowbrow. I knew what he was going for. My, don't don't me with these other two. I was I was ready to have a intellectual, stimulating conversation about this. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mix, I'm gonna mix the political satire satire however you want to pronounce that if you're highbrow or lowbrow satire, but uh, depending Saturn, on your brow, okay, <laughs> please look in the mirror and check your brow. <laughs> you know where you stand at this, but at any rate, uh, a lot of the videos I post know are are a compilation of a bunch of crap, uh, and the internet lowbrow crap, like, highbrow crap, and some good. No, no, a lot of it's lowbrow. Uh, the, the video I posted <laughs> recently, uh, for the record, was a, a video of a of uh, Theresa May. I'm not sure how much you guys know about what's going on with Brexit, uh, the British leaving the uh, European U- Union, and uh, or at least attempting to. And Theresa May is the Prime Minister of the UK, and uh, she sounds pretty so highbrow at the moment. It is. Because the the Brexit is does not have good terms, a lot of people are upset about it, and um, it's interesting to see where that's been going over the last couple months, weeks. Uh, it's over the last couple of weeks, it's been heating up. They had to push the deadline back, and oh, there's all kinds of details there that I won't get into. But at any rate, uh, this is going to seem random, but I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Like not like super fan. I've read all the books, and I go to you know, the Comic Con equivalent or anything like that. But I like the movies. Uh, I've watched them all. I've watched the extended cuts. They're they're very good. Uh, the gentleman who does the character Gollum, Gollum. Uh, must live in the uh, EU or, or is involved with a group in the EU because the character the, the gentleman who does the voice of in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, is involved with uh, this video to kind of make fun of Theresa May. And Theresa May is an older woman. Uh, she kind of has the whole Hillary Clinton pantsuit going on a lot. And uh, <laughs> she's been around the block uh, a lot as far as politically speaking, trying to figure out how to make this Brexit happen. But she's got a very definitive look that her hair is, is always the same. It's Donald Trump-esque, where you could just have a, a picture of Donald's hair, and you're like... Like oh, a yeah. Hitler stash. You know whose stash that is. <laughs> All right, let's not, let's, let's not bring him into this. Uh, I'm just trying but, to make sure that reference everybody will understand. Clean hair. Yeah, thank you. And anyway, very recognizable character. So apparently, 
uh, in this video, the gentleman who does the voice of Gollum is dressed as Theresa May, has the hair, has lipstick on, has earrings, uh, you know, looks the part. Wait a minute. Look at wait, it. wait. If I may, pause, pause. That was actually a dude? <laughs> yes. I did and not. Gollum? I, did, I thought the dude did the, the, the voice of Gollum, and there was actually like a female doing the Schmeagol. Again, look closely. <laughs> I did not realize See, that. Kyle, that's, that video. Kyle, that's, Kyle, that's almost as bad as Nick ripping on John Wick. Like, that's in the same category. Uh, okay. At any rate, he's an actor. I'm sure he has no problem dressing up like a woman. I don't need to judge. At any rate, uh, what they do is I'm not they, judging. They, if anything, I'm I'm gender blind. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> Your parents must be so proud. <laughs> Wait, uh, if I may, Kyle, what's up? No, stop, stop. If just I go, may, just Kyle, go. Keep going. Go ask your parents. Are they proud of you? Nope, they're gone right now. They're they're. Uh, <laughs> you see, Nick even muted himself because he knew you were done talking. Um, yeah, they they went over to the hotel. Sorry, can't. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Nick, would you like to continue? <laughs> I actually wouldn't. Like, I'm I'm all for the whole the whole theory of the if I may interrupting, but you guys won't let me tell a continuous story. Like, I understand I go a little long and ramble, but generally I have something to say, and I I can't even get there with you guys. Um, so either you guys shut up and I finish this, or we can just move past it. It's not that great anyway. I will keep quiet. I would love to hear what you have to say, Nick. Appreciate that. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a lowbrow person, so I'll try not to interrupt anymore. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, at any rate, you have this actor who is the, the voice of Smeagol, who is dressed up as Theresa May, full outfit and everything. And if you know anything about Lord of the Rings, Smeagol was obsessed with the Ring of Power. Uh, he refers to it as his, and I quote, precious. And uh, in this video... They have a, a butler or some character, and maybe it's a political reference. I don't know uh, enough about their politics to know if it was a, a person of importance or not. But brings Theresa May the full document, which is a giant book, and she refers to it as her precious and goes back and forth just like Smeagol having the dual personalities. One that's you know trying to be loving and caring for the people and the other one that's but like – But the people's vote no, said – and uh, it's, it's hers. They can't have it. They can't take it. Uh, the control, the money, the power. And, of course, it's all in, in Smeagol's voice, which is uh, haunting and crazy sounding. So it was it was kind of really cool, the connections between the characters and how she referenced uh, Brexit being her precious and uh, everything it was trying to do. And then uh, it, it has a few really funny moments where it's like, oh, but the people, the people, they want to vote. They want to tell us what's going to happen. Like, they're our friends. And then the other side of the voice is, you don't have any friends. It, it stole a lot of the direct quotes from the movie and pieced it into this discussion. Exactly. But it's, it's, <clears throat> a, it's a couple minutes of length. Just look up uh, Gollum, uh, Prime Minister May, and you should be able to find it on YouTube. <laughs> if you appreciate Lord of the Rings and you know anything about Brexit, it's absolutely hilarious. But it is a bit of a highbrow satire. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> In the latest happenings, uh, it may go over your head. A, a a good good video that I've posted. The rest of them are usually compilations of more lowbrow nonsense, but there's also just little things that make me giggle like a little girl. So it's all good. Finish my spiel. I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> it was a good story. I liked it. 
All right. So, Kyle, we were talking earlier, and you brought up um, the Olympics, and we were kind of discussing gold medals and the difficulty of different sports and competition. And we got on this topic of uh, what would be the e- if you could compete in any sport to try to get a gold medal, which would be the easiest. Right. Well, like, uh, no, I guess number one, anybody in the Olympics that gets a gold medal is the best in the world at whatever they do. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it, the question is like, what would be like the easiest gold medal to get? Like, do you, I mean, if you're, I don't know, do you go like physical? I feel like if you go towards like one of the physical, more physical sports or, you know, competitions in the Olympics, you'd have to like go for one of the team sports. Cause then like, if you're a scrub on the team or like a backup player, I mean, you still get the gold medal, but you didn't really have to be top, top tier. You're slightly below that. Whereas like, maybe you go more like skill-based, like shooting or that kind of thing. Like, I'm not sure what's quote unquote, like the easiest gold medal to get. Along that line of thought, uh, you would want to create your own sport. They add, new, they add new sports to the Olympics regularly. And I'll make the, the, the statement probably the you know 100 best water polo players in the world have never played water polo before. I mean, you take you take athletes from basketball, football, these mainstream sports. Uh, your LeBron James, if he had instead of focused on basketball, Squash. focused on you're damn right. Sorry. But that's, that's kind of my statement. If you wanted an uh, Olympic gold medal, you almost need to create your own sport. Something that not many people are familiar with something really obscure. I think there was a, a woman and I don't know what country she represented. It may have been the U S or it may have been, um, you know, Britain or France or something like that. But this woman had like, a ton of gold medals, but she was in, involved with like obscure shooting competitions. I mean, shooting, but only awesome. with your non-dominant hand and with your non-dominant eye at targets that are 10, 15 and 20 feet away. Specifically that competition. She had, she had as many gold medals as anyone else. I mean, I think Phelps holds the record for the most, cause there's so many different swimming competitions, but it's the same kind of thing. You know, shooting is is a competition in the Olympics, and there are several versions of it. If you come up with your own version and you've specialized in it, uh, you could probably sneak out a gold uh, in in some kind of sport in the first two three years it makes the Olympics. So now that you say that, uh, go ahead, Brent. First, equestrian. You have a horse that does all the work for you. Ooh, like you don't have to be an athlete to be an equestrian. You just, I mean, obviously, there's probably more that goes into horseback riding than that, and you have to be able to take care of a horse. But I feel like if a sport where the horse is the true athlete. You just kind of ride along, and that's a good point. For the ride. That's a good what one. What about shooting from horseback, like Angelina Jolie? Like, is that a sport? Is that a thing that could be a thing? Like, so if I, I may, I've never yeah. seen it before. One hold on, hold sport. On, I have to ask. Why did you reference Angelina Jolie in the history of Genghis Khan, Mongolians, and all the great horse riders of the world? Why did you pick the one with boobs? Shooting from a horse? Like Angelina Jolie. <laughs> not like anybody else. I don't know. <laughs> oh, That's just know. my head was Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's Lord. a great point. I'm <laughs> just calling it straight, straight on that one, boys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you're right. I was just picturing um, one of the Tomb Raider movies she did. She was riding on the horse shooting targets like with her guns. 
And that's just kind of what I was picturing. But you're right, Nick. In like the history of humans, like we've shot bows and arrows and there's people that have shot spears a lot more stuff like, from her. Doesn't matter. That's like oh, like lancing. I'm the military man in the military history. Nope. Straight to Angelina straight Jolie. to movie with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, you have to bring like uh bring uh is it Lance? No, what's it what's it called? Where they're like joust no jousting. Bring jousting back, make that a Olympic sport. That'd be pretty crazy. So dangerous though. That's a dangerous really die. You don't wanna you don't oh, want to sure. die in. But then again, I always thought you could die in swimming, so... Yeah, right? You're putting people in water. They'll eventually die if they keep doing it. Or if they, like, forget how to swim. Or if they just decide to stop. That's like... That's why I never... That is one of the only sports where if you decide to stop, you just die. (laughs) That was one of my favorite internet memes that I didn't share. If you ever feel useless in life, remember, they had to have a lifeguard in every pool of the Olympics. (laughs) You're the most useless person ever. Literally everybody's better than you there. I would assume. Otherwise you'd be there. Everyone's better. And if anything ever happened to an athlete, the first person in the water would be a coach, not the flipping lifeguard. Or the athlete right next to him. Yeah, exactly. So I was just thinking, one of the new sports coming up for the next Summer Olympics, I believe, is climbing. And that's actually legitimately one where it's it's one of those demonstration sports, like kind of like Nick was talking about, like make your own. But... It's interesting because there's like three main disciplines of climbing. There's speed climbing, there's bouldering, which is like side to side, like just super high complexity stuff. And then there's um, uh, like path. I forgot what it's called. Like more traditional mountain climbing where you're like going up like a legit mountain. So like there's, there's uh, more difficult routes they have to take. So basically they, they basically work their way up in difficulty. Yeah. But so like, um, have you, no, have but, you watched sorry, the speed but, climbing? Well, yeah. Real quick. So like climbing is being introduced as Olympic sport and they have to do all three disciplines where typically somebody just specializes in one. So like for Olympics, it's going to be a combination of all three disciplines. So that's one where if you really wanted a gold medal, there's not, there's a lot of people in the world that are really good at one of those, but not all three. So that's like gold medalable. Like that's, that's available for a gold medal right now as potentially one of the easier ones to get if you're already into climbing at some capacity. That's super interesting. And I love watching, watching the speed climbing because those dudes, they don't even look like they're going vertical. It looks like they're going as fast up as it looks they're like crawling. someone could just, they're just yeah. crawling. They're, they're flying up those walls. You, ever, you guys ever do the bear crawl in gym class or whatever, where you're on hands and feet only and you have to just scurry across the gym. That's what it looks it like. Oh, there you go. That's what it looked like with these guys going up this road and with the speed, straight up straight. And these routes, they are exactly the same. So one of my coworkers that sits right next to me, he's like super climber. Like he'll do the things where you climb up the mountain one day tent on the side of the mountain, like on the side of the mountain face and then keep climbing up the next day. Like he does that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, the, the speed climbing routes are just like the same thing all over the world. Like, are you speed climbing around A, B, or C? That those are like they're exactly the same everywhere. If I if I may, uh, what I can bring to this storyline is uh, with uh, being or going to be marrying Megan in the future. She's a huge skier. Uh, more so, all of her friends are huge into cross country skiing. And along that tr- same train of thought, with going after gold medals, and if you're not the best at something, you know how do you how do you 
how do you get to the Olympics? And Megan's told me stories of, of people she's aware of who competed and realized they were never going to make the Olympic team for uh, speed skating or for classic skiing, uh, whatever they wanted to do initially, but they still really wanted to go to the Olympics. And what they ended up doing is they got into uh, the sport of skiing and shooting. And I don't remember what it's called. To ski laps around just like you're a regular skier in the Olympics, except, oh, by the way, at every so many laps, you take that little 22 rifle off your back and you need to hit some targets. And if you don't hit the targets, you need to do additional laps in the race. Uh, so accuracy is very important. But um, it's, it's very common for skiers who are good but not the best to drop out of the, the main competitions and go to something like the, the biathlon. And that would be the opportunity you're talking about where, okay, you can't do it this way, but oh, Oh, and a twist to it. Here. It's like, okay, the best skiers are never even going to try the biathlon because they're like, well, why the hell would I do that? I Whereas, can ski. Okay, like, well, I want to go to the Olympics. Oh, I'll learn how to shoot. That'll work well. And what they can go to the Olympics and they may even medal. But, um, you know, things like that happen all the time. And that, that kind of uh, points out, again, the best strategy to get a, a medal in the Olympics is probably to be involved with creating a, a new sport or a new version of something, taking something that's out there already, make adding a twist. So speed climbing with uh, killing a bear, uh, <laughs> speed climbing with uh, being a master chef. Like, I don't know. What about sports that, um, so what about gold medaling in sports that maybe don't use, they're not like very mentally demanding or they're not super physically demanding and it's basically based off more skill. And, and so, God, that's what I was thinking was like curling, bowling, the luge sports that like, basically you're just practicing. You shut oh, your like, mouth. Curling is a <laughs> man. Sport. Take it back. I feel like I should like, whenever I see curling, I feel like they should be smoking a cigar. Like while they're going down the ice, you know what I'm saying? There was, oh, a, there was a meme a about curling wow. that uh, addressed the fact that, like, the U.S. curling team looked like four dads went to the Olympics, got lost, <laughs> and ended up competing or something crazy. <laughs> like, they don't, they don't look like that. Like, like it's like a it's like a poor comedy movie that four dads are going to the Olympics to support their country, finally getting away from their families. They're you know they're let loose to have some fun. At they the saw this big beach. stone in their way and they just kicked it, and then a bunch of people around them were like, "Hey, you're really good at that." Have a There's beer. Four dudes from and Duluth. And now they were in- probably drunk before and after the event as well. That's just how it goes. I would expect them none other way. Drink. Everyone knows you're better when you're drinking. It's the only Olympic sport you can, you know, maybe like a bit. Well, no, any sport that you can do and practice over and over again and have every semblance of repetition, people are going to be near perfect with it. So you have to have something that's a little bit more random. How is like bags not an Olympic sport? Like bean, like yeah, beanbags, yeah, like cornhole. I was on ESPN ate the Ocho uh, when ESPN did that spoof briefly. They had a formal bags competition. There were stands and there were teams, and they had uniforms. It was absolutely ridiculous. I loved it. Is ESPN ate the Ocho still in existence? Because I feel like that's something I need more of in my life. Like I don't I'll... think it is. I think they did it as a spoof uh... temporarily, but it it did pretty well. Because like. I feel like I always go down those rabbit holes of YouTube stuff where it's like, 
why am I watching people in slot racing? Like the little cars where you put them on the metal tracks and you like squeeze the triggers. There's, they do drag races. They do lap races. There, there's a, a community of people out there that are super into slot racing. And like, I'll go on a little like tangent on YouTube watching some of this stuff. And it's like, why is there not just a TV channel that just has all of this kind of stuff? Marble races. We do the marble oh races. God, I was just going to bring we that up. Olympics be in the Olympics. That's how you can win the Olympics is have the best marble. <laughs> I was just thinking that. But like the narrate the thing the or the thing that makes marble racing so interesting is the commentary because it's so professionally done that you're just like loving it. It's so good. It's so well commented commentated that it feels like you're actually watching like an Olympic race. How is like that guy like that good. that should be his like that's basically his uh uh I can't think. That's his application. Oh, nope. Not the word I was looking for. Resume. That's his resume. You just give him a business card with a link to that YouTube channel and be like, here's my commentating ability. so good. Here's my commentary abilities. And then they go to that and they're like, oh, yep, you're hired. Yeah, I mean. The sand version is way better than the track version. And the track version is the Olympics. But the sand marble races are way better just because. That's what I'm talking about. Random element. Yeah, the sand, the sand marble races, the commentator in that is like so good that you get excited watching the marbles. You're just like, oh, he passed them up. Like Red the marble races, so. <laughs> and he has like really interesting names. Marbley McMarble face. That was my there's favorite. Like 20, yeah, there's like twenty something marbles, and he like has every single marble memorized and knows like which marble is which. So whenever they pass each other up, like he goes, Oh, so, so past this one. Like, oh, like he knows the, every single In his newer name. videos, he has like tack times and checkpoint times in the top left corner. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. It's so professionally done. <laughs> so good. Well, uh, do you want to wrap it up there? Yeah, I, I think so. You guys good? Yeah, it works for oh, me. We'll go with the yes. So, uh, one thing I do want to quick shout out is, and I don't know how I got, this is, this might be, this might've all of a sudden become a topic, but there's, there's a, there's a YouTube, uh, channel called special books for special kids. And those guys are awesome. Like, so it's, uh, husband and wife. It's mostly the husband on camera. I'm sure the, it sounds like the wife does a bunch of stuff in the background, but they go around to people with special needs of some sort or like a, a disability or, uh, you know, de- whatever it may be. And they kind of just like basically just interview them be like, what's your life like? Like, uh, what do you want people to know about you? Like, you know, those kind of questions. And it's just super cool. But apparently they recently got their comment section shut down and they're, they're definitely a little hurt. I mean, I understand them being hurt by it because, uh, their comment section, number one, is super positive. And number two is used a lot for people to, like give support to these individuals that have uh, uh, special need or special ability or not they might have a special ability, but like, you know, are in general shunned from society. And they just get all these comments from people like being positive towards them. And, you know, like, hey, like, it's glad to meet you. Like, you get, you're super awesome. Like, thanks for doing this. And their comment section just was blanketly erased on them so i don't know it's kind of sad but they have awesome videos so if you guys want to check that out i would definitely recommend it and one of the more recent videos they did was on this couple i don't remember their full like real names but their channel is squirmy and germy 
Squir- no, Squirmy and Grubs. And it's a guy with uh, spinal muster- muscular atrophy. Uh, and he's got a girlfriend. And it's just them doing their thing. And they- he is so hilarious. Like they did one of their top videos is like their cuddling positions. It is so funny. But just want to give those guys a shout out. Hey, that's awesome. Um, it's always cool to see the good in, in YouTube and, and media. Cause I think so often it's all the, the negative stuff. I mean, you listen to the news and it's basically like, uh, so sad most of the time. So, so anytime you can get a push for something that's like makes a difference, um, especially for people that don't really have that voice normally is really cool to see and hear about. So thanks for sharing. Right, you guys anything else? Oh, there's a wrapper up. Take that as a wrapper up. That was episode 41 of If I May. Hope everybody enjoyed uh, bringing you a new episode every Thursday. So stay tuned for those. Uh, if you'd like to support us, definitely uh, please subscribe, share, rate, review. You know, like the best support is you tell somebody, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell some, tell one of your friends to check it out. Whatever this, ep- this episode, next, next episode, that's the best way to support us. Is like, if you like it, tell somebody about it. Ask, you know, ask somebody, one of your buddies to watch it or listen to it. Uh, we also have merch available if you're interested in that uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us or give us ideas for future episodes uh, you can DM us on Twitter at Zarabust or email Zarabust at gmail.com with that we hope you guys all have a great Thursday and we'll see you next week <laughs>